maybe they should have been more forthcoming from the beginning. And now this guy, Juan Deborah, he's going to these uh, news stations, he's giving all these details that they didn't say anything about at first. Add stuff to the story that was never there. And I'm not saying these things are not true and didn't happen. But my question is, why is he just not saying these things? She's been missing for days. And conveniently, after their names and faces get out, now he wants to go to the news. I'm sorry, if I went on a riverboat and my friend came up missing and I didn't have any idea where she was or what happened to her, I would have been on the news the next day. I would have been on the news the next day because I would want answers. Okay, and I wouldn't have just gotten in my car casually and gone home. All right, so please make it all make sense. But so I'm going to go to the news uh, footage. And so you all can hear what he has to say. All right, everyone, please give the lights up. Y'all know they have Queen Shadow Bands. Thank you in advance. Here we go. Day, I spoke with Keanje Jenkins, one of the friends that were with her, who says he has nothing to do with Tamia Taylor's disappearance, and all he wants to do is find his friend. It's a lot of rumors going around. It's a lot of people saying that me and two of my friends have drugged her, we killed her. It's too many rumors going around. Keandre Jenkins, Tamia Taylor's work friend, says. He wants to share what he witnessed in the hours before Taylor's disappearance. Jenkins says earlier Saturday, Tamia drove from Brownsville to Jackson to go shopping. 7.30, that's when we all got dressed and was getting our way to meetings. Tamia was already drinking. She had her little bottle of water and she was already taking shots. And it was moving. Around 9 p.m., Jenkins says they arrived, parked on Beale Street, and walked the strip. At 11.15 p.m., Jenkins says they met up with two more friends at Memphis Riverboats. While waiting to board, he says to Mia that someone in line. Dude took a time to go over, and he was saying, oh, so you were right on, she's right on, so they started back from talking. So he gave us some money to buy her a drink so she could celebrate her birthday. Jenkins says after the Island Queen booze cruise took off, the group of four celebrated Tamia's 21st birthday. He says at some point, Tamia walked alone to the bathroom and was gone for more than 15 minutes. I walked down into the first floor and I was talking to Kanisha and Sweet and I asked them, where's Tamia? They looked and said that she was just right here. So as you think listening to it, we all split up. And just the whole boat looking for Tamia. Jenkins says the group of friends searched the entire boat and around 1.45 a.m. when the cruise docked, they called police and Tamia's family. After the search of the boat and the bars on Beale Street, Tamia was still nowhere to be found. I prayed that she didn't fall off that boat. I did somebody snatch her. I did somebody, some people on that boat got something to do with it. <laughs> Now, at this time, Memphis police says the 21-year-old's whereabouts are still unknown. Investigators are asking anyone who aborted the Island Queen booze cruise Saturday at 11.30 p.m. until 1.30 a.m. Sunday to contact them. Reporting live, I'm Stephanie Douglas, Action News 5. So at the end of the day, he's adding all these new details. Now he wants to talk about some guy that she met in the line who gave her money to buy a drink. He said that they searched everywhere. When they, He said they stood there and watched everybody get off that boat and were asking them if they had seen Tamia. And they were showing her picture. 
That's what he said. Where did they get the picture from? Did they convey that picture of their phone? I guess they went to their social media. So he said that they did all of this. Well, why didn't he say this at first? Why didn't they tell Tamia's mother that? I showed you the video where she was on the news talking about it. She said all they told her was that Tamia didn't get on the boat and then remember. And the next breath, they said she was on the boat. She went to the restroom and, and uh, put her phone on the table. And they left. And the mother said, why would they leave? They said they left. So why didn't they tell her mother when they spoke to her days ago? Why didn't they tell her? We searched for her. We showed her picture to people. We asked questions. We stood and waited for everyone to get off the boat. Because they didn't do that. Because I don't think they did that. Because if they really got that, why didn't they tell the mother that? She said the only thing they told her is that Tamia went to the restroom, left her phone on the table, and they left. They waited outside the door for her, and they left. That's what they said. So now for him to come back and see all this extra, it just sounds like a bunch of BS and not trying to cover your own butt. And Reggie made a good point in the chat. Reggie said, women don't go to the restroom by themselves. That is true. Most women, if you're out in a group, they don't go to the restroom by themselves. Their girlfriends go with them. So there was three, there was three females there, plus the guy, Quandara. So neither of the other women bothered to go to the restroom with her. I find it strange. And then he said that he, he hopes that she didn't fall off the boat. Well, here's the thing. How could she have fallen off the boat if she was on the boat with them when it docked? Because when they said that she went to the restroom, the boat had already docked. And they were about to get off. So he knows that she didn't fall off that boat. Okay? That's proof right there. She didn't fall off the boat if they're even telling the truth about that part, which they likely are not. You just never know. But how would he be thinking that she possibly fell off the boat if he said she went to the restroom and they got off? Uh, and pay attention. He said they waited for everyone to get off the boat. So that means that, like I said, the boat was docked. Okay, so make it all make sense. They're lying. And I want to know why. I want to know why. What happened to her? And now they're trying to, he's trying to put in these extra details. I want you all to pay attention. Because he's talking about this guy who gave her money for a drink. What does that have to do with anything? That's irrelevant. That really is irrelevant because he also says later that he was asking, they were asking where she was. He even asked the guy who gave her the money for the drink. And the guy said the last time he saw her was when he gave her the money. Okay, well then what was the relevance of him even bringing that up? Yes, it sounds fishy, Lana. It absolutely does. Uh, yes, DJ uh, Johnson said she was drinking and smoking. More reason to keep an eye on her. Yes, that's another thing. He said Tamia was already taking shots and we were smoking. Okay, so now conveniently he wants to admit that they were drinking and smoking. Why didn't you say that days ago? But see, I told you guys there's video footage of her dancing on the boat. There's video footage of her dancing on the boat. See, that's the thing. That's why they changed their story. Because initially, they said she never got on the boat, remember? Never got on there. She never made it to the boat. That's the first lie they said. And that's what they even told her mother in the first place. But then, once the video footage came out that she was dancing on the boat, and then they said, oh, well, she went to the restroom. So then they had to start changing the story to try to cover their tracks. So they're absolutely lying. Right, honey, sister, and I said, why would he leave her? Right, and here's the thing. Make this make sense. He says that they all split up, and they all went looking for her. Does that even make sense? If one of you is lost, and there are four of you, and you can't find one, and there's numerous people around, people are exiting the boat, why would you all split up to 
Tamia Taylor, are you on the boat? Your friends are looking for you. They're waiting for you. Has anyone seen a young lady by the name of Tamia Taylor? You know, why did they go to the captain or the staff? Why would they all split up? Because then somebody else could get lost, right? How does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. And when things don't make sense, that's because it's usually a lie. Please pay attention. Yes, absolutely straight up lie. Okay? There should be cameras outside somewhere to show them looking or... Right, exactly. But nobody has any footage of them looking because I don't think they even looked. Okay? I think they did something nefarious at the end of the day because the whole thing is, why did they lie in the first place? See, this is how you know they're full of cap. Because here's the thing. If you're so desperate to find your friend that you're asking everybody if they've seen her, if they exit the boat, you're showing her photo, you're going around separating and looking for her and all of that, well then please explain, Mondera, why would you then lie to her mother and say that she never got on the boat? Pay attention. He also said, oh, and we called her mother. But you told her mother that she never got on the boat. So, what are you talking about? It's just a whole bunch of lies. It's just a whole bunch of lies. Now, if they find out what happened to this young lady, if they did anything to her, which I suspect that they absolutely did, I hope they get the full punishment. These are just like the friends of Shaquayla Robbins. Okay? These are just like her type of friends. Or her frenemies, shall I say. Because they weren't her friends. She only thought they were, unfortunately. So, so crazy. But anyway, let's get into the next story. Like stuff, everyone. Please do not forget to like and share. So let's talk about this HBO documentary about this white woman who went over to Uganda claiming that she's going to help the people over there and stop, you know, uh, fighting against malnourishment. And she opened up a whole charity and all of that. I feel like she's the white savior. Come to help the poor little old black folk. As often is the case. But let's talk about it because now HBO is getting backlash. Okay, they're getting backlash uh, for this whole this is what I'm looking for. Yeah, they're getting backlash for this documentary. Because the thing is, why are they putting this woman out here, you know, paying her to do a documentary about all of the deaths of these children that she supposedly caused? Why would they be paying her for this? And they're letting her tell her side of the story at the end of the day. I think it's all something Paris, but let's talk about it. First of all, let's talk about, let me go back to an old article from when this all when this all happened. U.S. missionary with no medical training settled suit over child deaths at her center. Now, Renee Bach, an American missionary who operated a charitable treatment center for severely malnourished children in Uganda, despite having no medical training, has settled a lawsuit brought against her in Ugandan civil court by two women in a civil rights organization. So at least 105 children died in the charity's care. Bach was being sued by Gimbo Zubeda, uh, Zubeda uh, whose son, Twali Kifabi, was one of the children, as well as Kakai Anat, or Annette, uh, whose son, Elijah Kabagambi, died at home soon after treatment by the charity. Now, under the agreement reached, uh, Bach and the charity serving, serving his children, that's the name of it, serving his children, uh, have jointly agreed to pay about $9,500 to each of the mothers with no admission of liability. So she wouldn't even admit that she did anything wrong, you see. And they took the money because guess what? They're poor. $9,500 is not even a lot at all. That's chunk change. But like I said, those people are over there starving. You know, the children 
or having malnourishment and hunger and all of that. So that's why they gave them that measly $9,500. But let me continue. So Prima Quadana, a Ugandan civil rights attorney whose organization filed a suit on behalf of the mothers, um, said that the settlement was in line with typical court judgments for medical malpractice death cases in Uganda, and it had brought her clients a measure of closure. Saying there's no amount of money that can bring her kids back to bring their kids back to life. But Pogala said that for the women, both of whom live in extremely poor and remote villages, the court process was proving logistically and emotionally draining. Every time they every time they had to go through the story, they were crying and just wailing in court. And uh, Pogala says the women also found comfort in finally seeing the medical files on their children provided by Bob in her court filings as well as the informal informal statements that Bob, who has returned to the U.S., made to the mothers over Skype during court-mandated mediation sessions. They said she did apologize to them. She did say she was sorry, and she said she would not come back to Uganda, that she would be involved in medical practice in the country. She would not be involved in medical practice in the country anymore. And all this was very meaningful to the mothers. We just needed Bob to acknowledge that we are human beings. We have feelings and we have felt used by you when you came to when we came to your facility. Now contacted by uh, NPR, Bob gave her response through the U.S. attorney, her U.S. attorney David Gibbs. In an email, Gibbs said the settlement was deemed by all parties to be in the best interest of all involved. It seems like the people who are victimized are just too forgiving, and that's often the case with black folks. Saying that they just wanted an apology. You'd have to give me a whole lot more than $9,500 and an apology if you did something like that to me. This is all crazy. Now, Bach founded serving his children more than a decade ago, shortly after completing her high school high school education in Virginia. Fresh out of high school, please pay attention. And moving to the Ugandan city of Jinja. She soon made the treatment center for uh, her main focus of the charity and began taking in severely malnourished children with extra complications such as serious respiratory infections, dehydration, and swelling. Okay, so let's just go to the documentary. Let me just pull this up real quick. Because I did a TikTok video about this this morning, so I'm going to share that. Likes up, everyone. Please like and share. Thank you. Hello everyone, I'm Dr. Omadai Shakur. HBO has recently been receiving backlash over a new documentary they have titled Savior Complex. Let's get into it. The documentary centers around Renee Bach, a U.S. missionary who went over to Uganda and started a charity for malnourished children. The next thing you know, she started Thank treating you. these children for medical issues, but there was one problem. Thank you. She had absolutely All right. no medical Bye -bye. qualifications. I killed 800 children. I was medically experimenting on children compared to Adolf Hitler, soon to be part of the KKK. It's kind of like, where to begin, you know? What is feeling called by God? What is that like? Baby I just started to see malnutrition everywhere. So many children came seeking help. We decided to make a malnutrition rehab center. She would do things as if she was a medical personnel. She was not qualified to do this. They were not licensed as a medical center. This was over my head as a nurse. Oh my God. So we went to the U.S. Embassy. 
decided to chronicle the stories of the families who were affected by Bach's actions. And they talked about how she had this so-called ministry that was all about malnutrition, but in reality, it was more like an unsanctioned clinic. Please pay attention. Multiple reports from mothers whose children passed away facility just gave all types of indications of how Renee passed herself off as a doctor and basically, you know, she refutes all of these claims and saying that this is not what she did and talk about how she saved lives. Now, in June of 2019, in response to requests for interviews, uh, Renee's organization, they hit back at their accusers and vilified them, basically calling them reputation assassins and, you know, just denying all of these claims. She stopped the center with medical equipment, hired several Uganda nurses to work during the day, but she didn't hire any doctors at all nor did she obtain a license for the center. And basically she put herself in charge of much of the healthcare and the medical practices that were going on with no qualifications. So she wants to act as though these are just all wild accusations and people have no factual evidence. The evidence is in her own writings, in her blog, where she openly talked about the medical procedures that she carried out, specifically a nine month old by the name of Patricia. Let's get into it. Now she wants to play the victim and act as though people are just making wild accusations and that they're unfounded and they have no evidence. Well, she wrote about some of the things that she did in her blog. So there actually is evidence, and I'm quite sure there was plenty of evidence when she was in Uganda when she settled in court. Now here's what she says in her blog. I hooked the baby up to oxygen and got to work, took her temperature, started an IV, checked her blood sugar, tested for malaria, and looked at her HB count. And that's a measure of hemoglobin in the blood for those who don't know. Uh, she said, I was attempting to diagnose the many problems that could potentially be at hand. Got it, malaria, positive, HB, 3.2, a big problem, most likely fatal. She needed a blood transfusion and fast. She then writes, uh, we got started on a blood transfusion for Patricia. And then she says about 30 minutes later, Patricia seems to take a turn for the worst. She says her throat started to swell. Her breathing got more and more faint. Her throat was closing. So maybe that was happening because she didn't know what she was doing because she wasn't qualified to be performing a blood transfusion. Okay. At the end of the day, it's very interesting why all these so-called missionaries who want to do all this work that they're called by God to do, uh, they go over to Africa. Okay. They go to the continent of Africa 
doing these things when there's people that they can help right here in the United States. Okay, there are children in orphanages, there are homeless people. Why don't they do their missionary work if they're called by God to do it? Well, does God send them to specific regions of the world to do this work? They can't just do wherever they are. I have questions. Why is it that they always want to go to Africa? Do you ever think about this? And uh, they don't do it right here in the US? Well, the reason they go over to Africa is because they know that it's a whole lot easier for them to prey upon the people over there because some of them live in poor conditions. Uh, some of them have, you know, uh, malnutrition as she went over there pretending to be trying to fix. And so they can go over there and set a foothold and then start experimenting on these people, okay? Committing genocide, that's exactly what it is. At the end of the day, this woman is no angel, though she pretended to be one. And uh, people were praising her, sending her all of these thousands of dollars in donations and because she said she's over there doing God's work. You know, devils always love to pass themselves off as God. And at the end of the day, the Bible even tells us that the devil can even masquerade as an angel of light. And that's absolutely what she did, in my opinion. Um, with that all being said, I don't appreciate HBO giving her the platform to tell her side of the story. If anyone wanted to know her side of the story, they could have gotten the transcripts from the Uganda court. With that all being said, TikTok, this is for entertainment purposes only. Also low down and dirty. Now she's getting paid for genocide? How does that make sense? She's literally getting paid for her crimes. And there were crimes. That's why she went to court. Okay? And the only thing was why she wasn't she wasn't charged over there. And the fact that she paid off the mothers, the families, and gave them just a few measly dollars just so there would be no uh, admission of guilt. So that says that she's not sorry. She gave an apology, but how are you sorry? What are you sorry for if you're denying these claims? If you're saying you didn't do any of it, saying that she saved lives. Well, here's the thing. If you save 100 lives at the hand of costing 800 more, to be to be lost how does that make any sense because the math ain't graphic okay and it's a darn shame that she's allowed to get away with this and then to profit from it miss cookie said why wasn't she charged well she was charged over in uganda i just told you all that she settled in court she gave the families ninety five hundred dollars a piece and shit. had them sign something saying that there would be no admission of guilt and you find her ass. now like i said she's getting paid Right, Terry Hicks said boycott HBO for the story. Exactly. Like, why would anyone be supporting HBO? Anyone that's black and cares about black people? I'm sorry. Because that's a whole slap in the face. Yes, it is. What is their point for making this other than to make money and to give her the chance to tell her side of the story and pretend to be the victim, as is often the case? So, anyway, people went in on them online. They went in on them online. And at the end of the day, like I said, she. He's talking about there's no factual evidence for the people to be saying these things about her. Well, the evidence was in her blog where she talked about performing a blood transfusion. If you have no medical qualifications, why would you dare to be trying to give anyone's child a blood transfusion? Why didn't she have any doctors as staff at that clinic? Because she wanted to be in charge. Okay, and let's not forget that she decided to do this right out of high school. Okay, make it all make sense. All so crazy. Everyone, please get those likes up. You know, at the end of the day, HBO, all they're trying to do is make their money. They don't care anything about black folk, and that's exactly why I won't be supporting them. At all. 
let me just tell you what the filmmaker said. The filmmaker, whose name is Rachel Fleet, uh, she said, I wanted to create a documentary that was grounded in this culture, this Greek system. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's the wrong. That's the wrong documentary. Hold on. I'm talking about something else. Lights up, everyone. Lights up. Hold on, just a second. And then they called it Savior Complex. Well, they should call it White Savior Complex. Okay, because we know what it really is. Okay, here it is, right here. Let me get rid of these pop-ups real quick. So HBO has decided to give a platform to this janky white show on, uh, via a three-part docu-series titled Sacred Complex that examines the controversy and essentially helps put Bach in a more favorable light as a doting Karen with good intentions. Okay, the same intentions that paved the road to hell. But that's right, because the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Please bear to me. Now, so people have been going in on her online. Someone says, um, no. This docuseries looks pretty vile. We talked a lot about the, this woman well over a year ago. She was running a faith clinic in Africa when she was never a doctor. It was reported that many, many babies died in her care. Who gives us who gives a shite about her intentions? She's a fraud and a failure, and African babies paid the price. If this woman and this docuseries, or oh, F this woman and this docuseries, even making this where she looks like a victim, she who tried to do so much good in any way is just absolutely disgusting. I don't want to hear from Renee, this phony white savior. I want to hear from the Africans who witnessed what she was doing. I hope there's more of their voices than the holier-than-thou bullshit that she's feeling. <coughs> okay, why is HBO giving her a voice? And I'd like to know the same thing. So like I said, people are going in on them. At the end of the day, there's many posts saying basically the same thing. And, uh, you know, in that article, they said like 105, but the Africans say there was at least 800. They estimate that there was about 800 children, almost a 1,000. And she said it herself. She said one of the most loudest things that she's heard about herself is that she killed 800 children. And then got away with simply paying $9,500. Anyway, Silver Dan said, why is HBO giving her voice? One word, money. Absolutely. You know, if they really just wanted to talk about the docu, uh, do a documentary about what happened, they could have just gone over there and interviewed, you know, the families of the victims and talked about the court proceedings and how and why they settled. They could have done that without even including her in it. But no, they want to clear her name. That's what this is. This is an effort, like they said in that, in that um, post, to paint her as a victim, a Karen with good intentions who's now, you know, being slammed for her hard work. That's what that's all about. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Now, you let that have been a black person who went over to a white country like Sweden or Norway or somewhere and then pretended to have medical uh, uh, medical training and then started doing experimental work and just doing things they had no business and no qualifications to be doing. And even one child died, let alone 800. Okay? Let alone 800. Do you think... They would have made it back to the U.S. and then someone would be paying them to do a documentary telling their side of the story? Of course not. This is all so crazy. Absolutely diabolical. Anyway, let's continue. Like up, everyone. Please like and share.
Black and share. So let's talk about the scam that they're doing to the elders. Okay, the Better Business Bureau did a report about these people going around selling these solar panels and completely scamming the elders. And this is all the darn shady. And I have two cases I'm going to show where people absolutely scammed. A black elderly couple and a white one as well. Now, the Better Business Bureau is warning public about a scam involving solar panels that's targeting the elderly. According to the Better Business Bureau President Hilda Martinez, door-to-door uh, -door salespeople are convincing customers to sign a contract to purchase the panels at a low cost, they say. But the contracts come with a new roof and an AC unit that customers end up paying for, unbeknownst to them. These items that you might not know are included in the contract, and you don't even find out until you receive the first payment from the finance company or the first bill. Uh, Martinez added that in many of the cases, it gets even worse for the homeowner. Okay, a lot of these customers are not aware that when they sign the contract, there's a lien put on their property. Okay, so let's say, for example, you decide that you wanted to sell your house or leave it to someone in the family, a member of your family or, you know, maybe one of your kids or something. But there's a lien on your property. And so like in case if you died before you could finish paying off this, this finance bill, they, you know, this huge bill that they stuck you with. Uh, because in one of the cases, I believe they said the elder would be like 107 years old by the time he was able to pay this off. This is all so crazy. Martinez suggests that the public should not sign for anything electronically uh, and to always keep a paper copy of your contract. Those who have fallen victim to the scam are urged to contact Better Business Bureau. Retirement for 82-year-old Bernard Mosley and his 75-year-old wife, Tassa, means staying on a budget. So when a man knocked on their door in Dumbarton Oaks, pitching solar panels in December, Bernard initially said, no, thank you. I told him, we don't have money to purchase it. He said, oh, there's a government grant. It won't cost you anything. Intrigued, Bernard invited the man and another salesperson inside. She started with a question. You own your home? I said, yeah. She said, oh, well, government grant was going to cover everything. Did she say why the government would want to give grants to give you free solar panels? She said it was a test. It was a test that the, 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 the government was kicking the solar panels as far as the productivity, et cetera, et cetera. In exchange, the Mosleys say the salesperson told them they would have lower electric bills and the panels wouldn't cost them a dime. The couple remember signing one document that day. One page, and then another page that she just wanted to initial. They read it, but they didn't get a copy. Within a few weeks, city inspectors posted these permits and papers on their home, and then crews installed the solar panels. But after that first initial meeting, the Mosleys were never able to reach that helpful salesperson again. She always had an excuse. By text, the saleswoman told Tassa she was with another customer in court. Then she got COVID. Then all communication stopped and the bills from Sunrun started. But your Sunrun solar account has a past due balance. The letter said the Mosleys were 30 days past due and now late fees laid out in their Sunrun contract. So I called and asked for a copy of the contract and then that's when they sent it and it was 40 pages long. 40 pages with Tossa's electronic signature. One of the pages shows the payment schedule. It shows the Mosleys could pay some $38,000 in full for their new solar panels or 
pay monthly over 25 years. At the end of it, the Moses would have paid more than $67,000. Bernard would be 107 years old. First thing I thought was, oh my God, they're sending us these bills. What happens if we don't pay these bills? Will they be able to, you know, take our home? Good question. When I contacted Sunrun, based in San Francisco, a spokesperson told me the saleswoman who knocked on the Mosley's door works for another third-party company called Solar Bros out of Dallas. Solar Bros sells solar panels for multiple businesses. All of its salespeople are independent contractors. And a Solar Bros spokesperson told me they fired the salesperson who lied to the Mosleys about the government grants. Sunrun told me they will no longer allow that woman to sell their products. And within days, Sunrun offered to remove the solar panels from the Mosley's home, repair their roof, and void their contract. Yeah, I hope other people will see this and know that uh, they need to be very, very careful about uh, purchasing anything, much less the solar systems. And to be clear, there are no government grants that will pay for solar panels at the federal or at the state level. Many of those by any means necessary so she can make her money. She didn't care about the elders she was scamming. She didn't care anything about that. Well, scammers never do. Scammers never do. It would behoove everyone to always read every single line of any contract before you sign it. This is how people get over on you. 40 pages for a contract. Anytime you're signing a contract that expensive, you may, you may want to get an attorney to look over it. And if something sounds too good to be true, well, there's something wrong. All right. Always, that's a red flag. All right. And they electronically okay. signed it. They didn't even have a paper copy of the contract. They asked for it after the fact. You have to ask for these things up front. You have to ask. They still messing with the. $85,000 are now gone from her driveway. The family tells us the company picks them up in less than 24 hours after our story ran. You guys helped tremendously. When we first met Michael Moore and his mom, he claimed a salesman from the Utah-based Encore Solar Company used high-pressure sales tactics to get her to sign a digital contract for solar panels she can't afford. The company never responded to us. But when J.W. Peters, president of Solar Power of Oklahoma, saw our story, he stepped up to help. Luckily, we knew the financier very well. He was able to terminate the contract. And after reading it, says several things seemed off and claims more was overcharged. We have a system that's being installed today that's less than five miles from here that's slightly larger than the system that Mrs. Moore was going to buy. That's actually under $15,000.
where her contract was almost $50,000 for the exact same system. The saga also leading to this warning. I would just say to everybody that's, that's having their doors knocked by these uh, out-of-state solar companies is just buyer beware. The Moors now glad to see the light at the end of a dark tunnel. I don't know what I'd do without you guys. We would be in a very bad spot if it weren't for News 4. In your corner in Midwest City, Taylor Mitchell, Oklahoma's News 4. Wow. Oh, Southern Fairies. She got them for even more. $85,000. People are crazy. You cannot trust anybody. And it's really sad that some people don't even have the decency. You know, if you're going to be out here scamming, why would you target the elderly? They've worked hard. Now it's in their, they're in their golden years, and they're just trying to relax and all that. You want to come stressing them out, trying to make them lose their homes and all that. And the main thing is, when you sign for this stuff, you're letting them put a lien on your property so that if you don't finish paying for it and then you pass away or whatever, well, if you've left it to your children, grandchildren, whomever, they're not going to get it. Okay? That company's going to get it. People have to be more careful. It's a shame. These people need to be locked up. They need to be locked up. So let's move on to the next story. Okay? So... There is a 14-year-old. Now, this happened like three or four weeks ago. I just found out about it, so I'm reporting on it because it's important. Because I told you all, you know I always talk about uh, teenagers who are bullied, you know, and then they end up taking their lives. Well, in this case, this 14-year-old took her life. She was bullied not only by students, but her principal bullied her. Because on the second day of school, she came and she had on a hoodie. And the principal asked her to take it off. She didn't want to take it off. And there's nothing in the dress code, uh, the dress code um, listings that says that she couldn't wear a hoodie, okay? doesn't say that children can't wear those. But the principal was insisting that she take it off. And in fact, when she refused, well, the principal tried to take it off of her himself. I'm sorry, isn't that assault? Are you going to just take somebody's clothing off of them? And the reason she didn't want to take it off is because the only thing she had on underneath was a tank top. And she had scars on her arms and things from being bullied. She had lots of scars and all of that. Her mother even talked about it. And uh, she didn't want people to see it. And so he made her take it off. Kids were picking on her and all of that. And she ended up taking her life. And I think the school and the principal should be sued. So let's get into it. Likes up, everyone. Please like and share. Thank you in advance. Here we go. Well, tomorrow, a 14-year-old girl who is the victim of bullying will be laid to rest. And tonight, people are raising questions, asking what was going on at one local school district. Just two days into the school year, Shania Williams took her own life. She had been bullied at school for years. Her family and friends say too little was done by the Elder City Schools and feel her suicide did not have to happen. WDHN Robert Smith Jr. has been looking into it all and spoke with her parents in a story you'll see only on WDHN. Last Wednesday morning, Shanae Williams left her home early to go to her husband's job site. When they returned that morning, she found her 14-year-old daughter who had shot and killed herself while getting ready for school. I can't eat. I'm going through it. I raised that baby. And I'm protecting her. 
But she says as a student in Elba City Schools, her daughter didn't feel protected, especially in the high school. Starting in 2020, she noticed her daughter, who was 11 then, had been going through hard times during the school day and had physical signs of bullying, scars, and cuts on her arm. We went to a mental health um, doctor's appointment, and she she told us there because I guess she was she didn't want to tell us at home and didn't want us to get all upset. Doctors prescribed Buspar, a common medication to treat anxiety, but she told her mom that students made fun of her because of the side effects it caused her coughing, sneezing, and vomiting during class. Just seemed like her whole class was picking on her, saying that, oh, well, we'll find out if she's pregnant or not. Oh, um, I don't want to be her friend because she's sick all the time. Or just very, very harmful and cruel things. In 2021, she was admitted to a Luverne hospital for mental health treatment, and that's when they informed school officials about their daughter's condition. They told Lynn Grimes, who was principal at the time, and a counselor who was no longer working there. I, I tell them, I'm like, look, my child just got out of the hospital. She wants to kill herself. Since then, she says little to nothing has been done. Not that I can tell, but she was still being bullied. Williams says after three years of bullying and no action from the school, her daughter was finally pushed over the edge this school year. On the second day of school, she says her daughter came home and that the new principal, Dr. Warren Weeks, made her take off her hoodie she was wearing, although there was no rule against it. She didn't want to remove it because she had a tank top on underneath and didn't want to show her scars. But her mother says Dr. Weeks tried to take the hoodie off her himself. I can guarantee you her thoughts were not this again. I do not want to be bullied again. William says her baby girl was the farthest thing from a bully. She was kind and talented. She played trombone in the Tiger Band. She could draw on oh my God. She was the she was the best girl I knew. Oh, and she she would read. She would read from sun up to sundown. We wanted to speak with the Elba High School principal, Dr. Warren Weeks, and was referred to the district office. The school superintendent, Chris Mosley, told us they are not going to comment at this time. He says they have a legal team investigating the matter. Robert Smith, WDHN News, for the Wiregrass. True tragedy, indeed. Well, the funeral for Williams will be tomorrow at 1 in the afternoon at the Bethlehem Missionary Baptist Church. The family has set up a GoFundMe page for those who wish to donate. We have that information online on our website, W. Yeah, so that's extremely sad. I always hate to hear these stories about children being bullied and made to feel bad about themselves, and then they end up taking their lives. Okay, very sad indeed. Uh, and so the principal, you know, like I said, he should have been brought up on charge as far as I'm concerned. He had no business attempting to take her shirt off of her. Like, that's just assault as far as I'm concerned. Why are you putting your hands on her? Okay, the end of the day. And also, if there was such a problem to that extent that he felt the need that he wanted to take it off, we should have just called her parents and asked them to bring her something else to put on. That's just crazy. All right, condolences to the family. Her mother is very distraught, clearly. That was hard to watch. Okay, so let's continue. Let's talk about Kabami Harris. So, you know, they asked um, Nancy Pelosi 
they asked her a question about Kabami, and she just tiptoed and tap danced around that question. She did not want to answer it. And I find it all so interesting. So I'm going to share my screen so you all can see this video. Uh, hold on for a second because I'm multitasking. I'm trying to make this overlay because I want you all to hear what Judge Joe Brown recently said about her. I find it all so interesting because uh, he stays going in on Kamala, and I absolutely love it. So I want you all to hear what he said about her previously when he was on Kwame Brown's show and then something he just said about her yesterday. All right. So hold on for a second. Almost done. Likes up, everyone. Please get those likes up. Thank you in advance. Okay, here we go. Now, first, I'm going to put up the uh, uh, Anderson Cooper. He's talking to Nancy Pelosi about Kamala. Is Vice President Kamala Harris the best running? Well, and that's what matters. And by the way, so. she's very politically astute. I don't think people give her enough credit. Uh, she's, of course, values-based, consistent with the president's values and the rest. And uh, people don't understand, she's politically astute. Why would she be vice president if she were not? But when she was running for uh, attorney general in California, she had 6% in the polls. 6% in the polls. And she politically astutely made her case about why she would be good, did her politics, and became attorney general. So don't people shouldn't underestimate what Kamala Harris brings to the table. Do you think she is the best running mate, though? She's the vice president of the United States. So people say to me, well, why isn't she doing this or that? I said, because she's the vice president. That's the job description. You don't do that much. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you know, you, you, you you're a, a source of strength, inspiration, intellectual resource, and the rest. And you, and she, I think she's represented a country very well at home and abroad. <laughs> what, what is she talking about? She would not answer that question to save her life. She literally just kept beating around the bush, tiptoeing around and talking about she's politically stupid. And then why did she start whispering? <laughs> And then she said, when people ask her why she doesn't do anything, she's not doing this or that, but she's the vice president. She doesn't do much. <laughs> Low key throwing shade, you ask me. But anyway, Christopher said he thinks she's wrong. <laughs> this is all hilarious. But anyway, let's go back and, and revamp. Let's revisit what Judge Joe Brown said about her when she when he was on a. Uh, but he was on Kwame Brown's show that time. And then, and then, like I said, he recently has said some more things about her. And I find it also hilarious. Now, this is just a four-minute clip. Hold on. Likes up, everyone. Please like and share. Thank you in advance. Yeah. I'm standing talking about Kamala Harris. I'm going to let you have that one. Uh, she's a witch. She is a corrupt bitch. She's been corrupt the whole life because she fucked her way to the top. <laughs> they used to detail this bitch in the LA Times with her sexual escapades. She fucked him to everybody trying to get a real proud hoe when she was in the house. And she ain't black. 
you know, I ain't got nothing to do with this, Miss Harris. <laughs> uh, I'm just well, I'm just telling you to listen. Well, um, here's what she said. I actually met her father mm-hmm. in Jamaica. I was the guest, said that the governor general was paving. He was a professor. Oh, okay. And he represents as a Hindu brother. He admitted he has some Irish in him. Mm-hmm. All right. The person that Camilla Harris is saying is her black great grandmother is in fact, according to Daddy, in an article he wrote, which has now been cleaned up on the online edition of that magazine, mm-hmm. was a Hindu house servant, not mm-hmm. a black one. So her mother is listed on her birth certificate as Caucasian, even though she's dark, but see, she's a Hindu Brahmin. Tamil cast. Now, interestingly, do you know what the anthropological name is for what uh, Camilla Harris and her parents? Mm-mm. No, sir. Untouchable. Indo, I N D O hyphen Aryans. See, they are the original Aryans, but Adolf Hitler and his boys told a big lie. The blonde haired, blue eyed Aryans from the far north did not exist, never existed. They were the dark, the swarthy, the paper bag brown, dark eyed, dark, coarse hair, Indo Aryans from the India, mm. from India. Mm-hmm. Those actually settled Germany, and some other people came in from the steps that lightened everything up a bit. Mm-hmm. So that lie is being told. So you got the Aryan Brotherhood, the Aryan Nation, what's going on is for Aryans, they claim to be uh, one with like Conquila or Come Queen Harris. You know, I guess what she did is, you know, LA Times ranked her out. I was out in LA you know, when she I can see this article. Before that, see, she got out and thing when she was lost. Willie Brown, that was his mistress. They, they have cards. I heard about that, though. Where they had one I love, it was a scene Willie Brown sitting behind a desk with his talk hangout, and Camilla raising up after doing it, you know. Mm. And uh, they ran this thing where he got her a job with a medical supply company that did business with the city of San Francisco for a gig 15 hours a week. For seventy-two thousand a year, and you have to understand that was thirty-five years ago. Mm. And then when they carried the thing where she moved up to twenty dollars a week, she got paid one hundred and twenty grand for a part-time gig, and he bought her a seven fifty i BMW. Mm-hmm. She was earning that. So <laughs> then she had this thing where she was trying to get on with this big firm that went out, so she started screwing. What are your an NBA player who was their biggest class. Oh, she wow. got hired. Then they ran a scandal scene on her where she was trying to get on with the DA's office, so she started screwing the deputy chief DA to get on. So, so what, what what do you see? I mean, you have a lot of knowledge. As you can see, you got the chat going crazy. <laughs> So you all heard that. I find it all so, so interesting. Judge Joe Brown roasted her for film, okay? And he 
absolutely roasting her. I find it also interesting. So he called her out for everything she's right. And everything he said about her is absolutely true as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, she did mess around with those men to get herself where she is right now. Okay? We already know about Willie Brown. I reported that to you all back in 2020 and showed the receipts. And so, and she has never claimed to be one of us until she started to run for vice president. All right? Capricorn said he didn't hold back. Absolutely. Absolutely. But hold on. I want you all to hear this, too. This is what she said uh, back when she was putting all those black mothers in jail for truancy. And then the thing is, I want you all to hear the speech she was giving. And then she was sitting there laughing. I didn't see anything funny. Hold on. I'm going to cue this. Let's work in tandem around our collective objective and goal, which is to get those kids in school. So, to that end, on my letterhead, now let me tell you something about my letterhead. When you're the DA of a major city in this country, usually the job comes with a badge. And there is often an artistic rendering of said badge on your stationery. So, I sent a letter out on my letterhead to every parent in the school district, outlining the connection that was statistically proven between elementary school truancy high school dropouts who will become a victim of crime and who will become a perpetrator of crime. We sent it out everyone. A friend of mine actually called me and he said, Kamala, my wife got the letter. She freaked out. She brought all the kids into the living room, held up the letter, said, if you don't go to school, Kamala's going to put you and me in jail. Yes, we achieved intended effect. So, right. Uh, so this, they think anybody that's got a son, Jan, got to be one of them. So, see, she's claiming that she's got one great grandmother who is a black woman. Well, if you look at her, she isn't straight black anyway, so that would dilute it by at least one half, and that would switch it from one eighth to one sixteenth. And then if you look at it, it's maybe a quarter, so that would be one thirty-second. And guess what? Until the 1930s, even a black person in America would be declared white if they made an application that that's all they had. You know, there are a whole lot of descendants, though. But we don't even get there because the daddy says that ain't a black woman that was a Hindu house servant, and they ain't nobody recent black from Africa in the family. There's Irish and Hindu, and that's it. I want to play this um, video of her. Okay, so you all heard it. You all heard it, and some people still think she's black. Uh, Jill is jealous Harris gets better <laughs> sharing leads. <laughs> okay, so anyway, with that all being said,
trivia is going to be on the spiritual channel because we're on this channel last month. I mean, uh, last Friday. And so this time, the trivia is going to be on the spiritual channel. And so, and the, and the trivia will be based on the broadcast that I show on the spiritual channel. Okay? With that all being said, I'm going to share my room. Like some, everyone, please like, share, thank you in advance. Well, I'm Dr. Amadai Shakur. 34-year-old escaped fugitive Danella Cavalcanti has been captured after a two-week extensive manhunt. Let's get into it. Cavalcanti was captured this morning within the search perimeter at approximately 8.15 in South Coventry Township, Northern Chester County, and he was near French Creek Elementary School. Please pay attention. State Police Lieutenant Colonel George Bibbins, who was leading the manhunt, says that after midnight, a series of events began to unfold that led to Cavalcanti's capture. First, a burglar alarm went off at a residence near Prizer Road. Now, they didn't find Cavalcanti there, but this drew them in for the investigation, and they'd already been searching a location nearby. Please pay attention. Then at 1 a.m., thermal imaging from a fixed-wing aircraft detected a heat signature in the woods west of Route 100 and north of Prizer Road. Lieutenant Colonel Bibbins says that tactical teams from both the U.S. Border Patrol and the state police began to converge on the area before thunderstorms forced the police aircraft to land. Police on the ground manned the area to prevent any possible escape. They began the search again this morning, and shortly after 8 a.m., the tactical teams converged on the area where the heat source was detected. They were able to move in quickly and quietly, and Cavalcanti, unfortunately, didn't have any idea he was even surrounded until it was too late because they had the element of surprise. But Cavalcanti wasn't going out without a fight. He tried to escape, crawling out from an underbrush with a weapon that he'd stolen from a house on Monday nights. Please pay attention. As Cavalcanti tried to continue his escape, a police dog said, hold up, buddy, not so fast, and subdued him. And then the police were able to move in. So he was taken into custody. Now, he did sustain a minor dog bite to the head, uh, but no other serious injuries. And the governor reported uh, that there were no shots fired. He also said that Cavalcanti, you know, uh, he was clearly desperate and that it was only a matter of time. During his two weeks on the run, Cavalcanti took on a few different disguises. I'm so glad that he was caught uh, specifically because they said he was near French Creek School. Uh, the last thing you need is a desperate criminal who's already been convicted of red rum near a school where children could possibly be put into danger. Uh, so just glad that he's off of the streets and the family can now rest easy. Okay, with that all being said, TikTok, this is for entertainment purposes only. Okay, so that's all so crazy at the end of the day. Oh, and you know what? There's one more story I want to tell you all about. The little girl, the little four-year-old girl who lost her life uh, because this woman claims that she was teaching this poor baby firearm safety. I'm sorry. Who's teaching a four-year-old firearm safety? Why would a four-year-old even be anywhere near a firearm? Make that make sense. Okay, so let me show this, then I'm up out of here. Let's get into it. Brianna Runyons is being held in the Rome County Jail on a $1.5 million bond because she took this child's life. She says that she was teaching her firearm safety and that she put the weapon to this child's chest uh, after she removed the magazine and then pulled the trigger. I'm sorry, how does that even make sense? How are you teaching a child four years old firearm safety? They should not even be anywhere around a firearm or anything else that dangerous. 
It should be locked up somewhere and put away. Now, on September the 5th, Runyon's waived her right to a preliminary hearing. Rowan County General Sessions Court Judge Terry Stevens accepted that and bound the case over for the next grand jury proceeding on October the 16th. And by the way, there's a joke amongst prosecutors where they say you can even, you can even indict a ham sandwich, which basically means you can indict anyone for anything if you want to. Because prosecutors have all of the power and control. They're the ones who get to present the facts and evidence. The defendants, well, they don't even get to have their attorneys present to counsel or to coach them. And the judge also isn't present. So when prosecutors want someone indicted, they will be. With that all being said, my condolences uh, to the ones who loved little Evangeline Gunter. And also, D.A. Johnson sends condolences and says that it was very tragic that her sister had to witness this and prayers to all of those who cared about her. And that's absolutely right. With that all being said, TikTok of this is for entertainment purposes only. Okay, so at the end of the day, she absolutely took that child's life, said she's teaching her firearms training. But here's the thing she walked up to that child, put the gun in her chest. She literally put the barrel in the child's chest and pulled the trigger. Why would she do that? Said that she thought she thought it was empty because she took the magazine out first. But still, why would you do that? If you're teaching gun safety, why would you do something like that? Because that's like the first rule of gun safety, that you never point a gun at anyone, whether you think it's loaded or not. So stupid. She absolutely did it on purpose. I'm convinced. I'm convinced she did it on purpose. So anyway, I hope she gets the maximum sentence because that's all crazy. And that poor child's sister saw her do it too. And by the way, her own girlfriend and another minor who was in the house gave their accounts and they said she's lying. That's not what happened. Okay, that's not what happened. So anyway, make it all make sense. With that all being said, everyone, please make sure you like and share this broadcast. I want to thank you all for tuning in once again. Each one, teach one. That's how we grow and thrive. Do something productive, constructive, but never destructive. And always remember, beloved, to keep the most high first in your lives. And until next time, I will talk to you all again soon.
Black family, Sadat here. Physical therapist just came by here. I know I'm gonna be sore as a motherfucker within a couple hours, so I'm gonna get ready, apply some of this icy hot, especially to my my neck. Well, I streamed the uh, Queen Amadia's daily reports this morning, and uh, I see the prepper just added one. To his timeline, this is the newest one. It's about 14 minutes long. Let's see what he's talking about today. I done keyed it up, so it's ready to go. There's an accident that's being reported on a Chinese nuclear submarine, a Type 093. Now we have information spreading in Taiwan's media that an explosion occurred on board of the Long Mark 15 Type 093, which is a Shang-class nuclear submarine of the Northern Fleet of the PLA Navy. This is a result of multiple crew deaths. I think the entire crew died. It's being reported that the boat was not directly in the Taiwan Strait, but instead it was near it in the Yellow Sea. It was used to test underwater weapons, and that's what they suspect was happening at the time. The prerequisite for the inflating of the topic with the submarine is the new information that's coming out that the crew was supposed to arrive home in early September. Families never saw them come back. Now, China immediately denied this. The USA and Taiwan denied having anything to do with it. There were multiple outlets that were picking up uh, some sort of disturbance in underwater listening devices that suggest maybe the crew had a fatal disaster. Could it have been America or Taiwan? Absolutely. The media inside of Taiwan contacted the Ministry of Defense for comment. The deputy of the head of the intelligence department, Major General Huang Wang, or Wang Yi, said that, quote, regarding the reports of an accidental explosion that occurred on the nuclear attack submarine, I would like to inform everyone that this kind of information has a high degree of secrecy. As for the details, he continued, that are held by the Ministry of Defense, Due to its high sensitivity, we will not disclose it here. Now, another bit of information was the radiological monitoring aircraft with a registration number of 64-14831 of the U.S. Air Force WC-135R type aircraft. It continues to operate in the suspected area of the Chinese submarine disaster. 
This aircraft flew out on September 6th into the airspace in East China. They were monitoring background radiation. We saw new videos come out saying that something has happened. Now, could this be the black swan, the escalation that leads China to attack U.S., Philippines, Japanese, South Korea, or Taiwan uh, ships out in the ocean? You bet it could. We're seeing new video that Chinese J-10 fighter jets are in action. The PLA Southern Theater Command staged live fire air-to-ground attack exercises. This is part of China's largest show of wartime readiness directly to your government. This drill is directly aimed at you. They want you to see it. They want you to look and say, hold on, maybe we shouldn't go to war with China. Maybe we should just let them have Taiwan. But you don't realize the stakes at play here. The USA has bet everything on being able to control Taiwan. They want control of the technological capabilities of that country. They want control of that area of the South China Sea, the Taiwan Strait. They want to be able to control each and every part of it because if they don't, then what they're losing in this economic war will send us into destitution. The British Prime Minister has said that Russia is directly attacking Liberian flagged civilian vessels on the Black Sea. They say they have attacked them with caliber missiles, according to the Prime Minister. All the missiles were shot down by Ukrainian air defenses, and he says that, quote, Putin is trying to win a war that he cannot win. These attacks show how desperate Russia is. He warns that by striking cargo ships and the Ukrainian infrastructure, Russia is damaging the world. Now, a British diplomatic chief, James Cleverly, is coming out saying that this is what's happening. The Committee of the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe on Legal Affairs and Human Rights says they are now recognizing the country of Russia as becoming a dictatorship. Their quote to the rest of the world's governance is that the enormous power of the president, speaking of Putin, resulting from an extremely long tenure in office, speaking of his terms, coupled with the absence of any checks and balances, such as a strong parliament, an independent judiciary, a free media, or a vibrant civil society, they say this has turned the Russian Federation into a de facto dictatorship. Now, this is exactly the kind of information, data gathering, that the U.S. government and other NATO countries want and need to be seen by the general populace. If we were back 100 years ago, if we were back in World War II, or even back further in World War I, if we were looking at the events that we see today, and these headlines were popping up on newspapers that were meant to get into your house in front of your family, your parents, whoever it is. This information would draw every single American citizen, every European citizen to say Russia is a dictatorship and we need to make change. They would say China just unleashed attacks on the rest of the world and we need to go to war. Now, because we have a little bit of a different social order right now, and we all have access to information from all over the world, people got a little bit smarter and they started to see that these bankers wars, these government wars that are meant to only take and pillage from other countries and control their own commodities, control their levels of trade, these are something that never benefits us except the standard of living that our governments allow us to be perceiving.
What I mean by that is the United States of America for decades and decades was the top dog. They were the sheriff of the rest of the world. And in that, it allowed you in America, in Canada, in other parts of the world that were allied with the USA, it allowed you inside of your country a certain degree of protection, comfort, and perceived safety. Now, we all know that your freedom is all but gone. You want to be free? Try not paying your taxes. Try driving down the road without a seatbelt. Try not, uh, you know, uh, naming a birth or a death to the government, and you'll realize quickly how free you aren't. But we also have this cushion, this kind of like blanket, security blanket, that as the United States continued to be the sheriff of the world, we were able to live in relative peace short of our own increasing violence and crime that happened inside of our own little bubble. That is changing. Now, if the United States of America does not go after the commodities of other countries, we don't control the medicine, we don't control the oil, we don't control any of these raw ingredients that keep our world going, we've sold out to China, we have sold out to all of these other countries, we have given everything away through trade, through globalization. If we don't go to war, we will go to war inside of our own borders. And in fact, it's appearing that the United States government is preparing just for that. The Air Force Secretary has now come out in the open saying that intelligence couldn't be clearer, that the country of China is preparing for war with the United States of America. I wanna tell you again, if that headline was on the newspaper a hundred years ago, we would be going to war within weeks. The Air Force Secretary has said the intelligence could not be clearer that China is preparing for war with the United States of America. Now that, uh, that secretary says that people still argue that we are not in a Cold War 2.0. Not only, they say, are we very obviously in a Cold War 2.0, we may end up being in World War III as things go south. We did see some declassified information hitting the news cycle showing that at least five trains that were suspected of transporting Russian nuclear warheads or associated parts, components, or equipment recently arrived in the country of Belarus. This happened at different stations, and three more trains are expected to be arriving in October and November. Now, you can bet that if this information is out in open source intelligence, then you can look for train derailments, and maybe that's what the train derailments were meant to do. We have to see that Ukraine openly admitted to hacking the train systems of Russia, hacking the train systems of Belarus just a couple of weeks ago. And now we hear that there were warheads and radiological material on trains. We can see that these false flag events or these near terroristic events, and I mean that in the, in the terms that any purposeful act of a radiological event, a biological crisis, a weapon of major destruction, if they do that on purpose and it harms one innocent person, that is a terroristic event. And so they are willingly out in the open saying that they're trying to take down these trains, trying to take down, and we have seen <laughs> the bombs set up on the railway, set up on the ties. They have done all of these different things out in the open, and it's happening in America. And we sit 
with dozens of active nuclear power plants barely protected not only infrastructurally but from attack imagine how our world would be different if one of those planes that we recently remembered instead of flying into that tall building flew into a nuclear power plant how would our world change overnight if you don't think that some enemy of the usa which russia openly calls us their enemy now China openly calls us their enemy. They're engaging in acts of physical and economic war today. If you don't think that these outlets and their cronies are interested in attacking us in a way that really hurts, then you're missing the bigger picture. Sure, they want power. Sure, they want control. Sure, to some degree, they're all in a game together, but their game is one of life and death. It's also the death of all the pawns. They don't care so much about that as long as their queen continues to survive. And so as we look to what is going to happen in the next couple of weeks, I want you to get ready for anything and everything. It starts at home. Talk to your family, your husband, your wife, your kids. Ask them to get a little bit of extra food in their pantry. If for no other reason, because it's cheaper to do it today, then it's going to be to do it in a couple of weeks. Just get ready. If not, you will be left behind. Thank you guys for being here with us today and every day. Full Spectrum Survival is the name of our channel only on YouTube. Please subscribe to us. Please leave a like on this video. Comment if you have something to say or just to say hi to the community. And from my family to yours, please stay safe and keep watch. This week's Full Spectrum News is brought to us by you. All of our members on Patreon, which we send out monthly survival cards to. Good evening, Black family. So God here, taking a break from Call of Duty. They put me on two bullshit-ass teams where these motherfuckers didn't even back me up. But I'm the highest score, meaning I was putting in work. So I was just like, man, step back from this motherfucker for a few do this rant in the black, smoke this blunt, and uh, I'll log back in after 12 o'clock when I know damn kids and shit done went to bed. On my timeline, I had a lot of bullshit. The one that really bothered me was a little fat white kid tried to drown a little black boy. They let him out on bond. Black family, y'all gonna have to start taking the fight to these motherfuckers where they lay their head. See? Because as I've been saying, this shit's gonna get worse and worse. And in a minute, they gonna try to do some purge scenes or some, some squid game scenes on our community. You know, are we just going to march and protest then? Are we going to use under the cover of darkness to put in some well-deserved work? Payback, if you will. I'm sorry, but that little fat motherfucking shit, that was my son. They tried to drown. See, I got family outside of this uh, state. I even got family outside this damn country. I will go and import a hitter. That was my boy. 
Because, see, I'm still looking for the motherfucker that sexually violated my daughter. I think I know, but I don't have no concrete evidence. Until I get that concrete evidence, I'll just act accordingly. Still keep searching. But, yeah, that boy's father, uh, uncles, something. Even if you can't get to the kid, you know if he can get to his daddy, you get to his mama, get to the motherfuckers grandparents, turn them motherfuckers into worm food. You got to start letting these motherfuckers know, man, for every one that y'all fuck of ours, we fucking over at least three, four of y'all. And we don't give a fuck about the age of the sex. Hashtag. Start hunting them and theirs. No matter the age of the sex. Because they've shown us time and time again that they don't give a fuck about any of ours. Talked to my brother Lavsmore today. I had to apologize to him. I saw the video of a little, little pregnant girl that got her face blown in. And she was stealing. And whoever put that shit out there that the bitch put some shit back, that's a motherfucking lie. I watched the video from start to finish. That little bitch didn't put nothing back. That bitch came pre-prepared with an empty bag inside of her bag. She knew she was going in there to do wrong, stealing from people. So you know what? My favorite word is she got what she got. She ain't give a fuck about that baby inside of her. And she didn't give a fuck about the two that she left at home with her mama. So you know what? Fuck that bitch. Yeah, last more. I'm with you on that one. Fuck this bitch. Getting tired of these motherfuckers. It's bitches like that that makes it hard that I can't go up in the store with a legitimate list without being followed or unnecessary ass. Do I need some help when I know that's a cold movement for let me see what this nigga's doing. You see, I've cut up numerous motherfuckers with my mouth. Like, did I ask you for some motherfucking assistance? You see, I got this list in my motherfucking hand. I know exactly what I need to go and get, and I don't need you to help me. Thank you. And I keep it pushing. I don't have to use no profanity if I don't want to. Profanity just helps me make things sting a little bit more. Prepper says that China had, they think, allegedly, China had a submarine incident. All souls on board were lost. You know, the communist government of China is not going to tell its business, and it's definitely not going to tell a loss like that broadcasted out to the world. So if some shit floats up to the surface and U.S. ships see it, I guess they'll let us know. Hey, the motherfucker wasn't in the Taiwan Straits, but it was near the Straits, uh, practicing with some new armament. And they think maybe uh, some of the armament probably blew up on the ship or the, the submarine, probably blew up in the tube. And in that case, nah, ain't no coming back from that. But they're Chinese. And they're anti-black, so I don't give a flying fuck. It's just, what, 
uh, over a hundred motherfuckers not able to eat dog tonight. Fuck them. Don't give a fuck about us. So I don't give a fuck about them. I told y'all. I'm proud I live in an egg, uh, egg roll free household. Now, since my grandma passed, haven't had to go up to China King to get no egg food young or no motherfucking egg roll. I don't really eat that shit. You know, I might eat a fortune cookie and shit. That's because it looks like a vagina when you stand it up. But besides that, I don't eat that slop. That shit looks like pig slop to me. My grandma loved that egg for young too, man. I only ate the egg for young she used to make. But by the time she got up in age and, you know, the cancer was was working on her and stuff, she, she lost, you know, all her recipes. She never wrote them down. Oh, let me tell you what I'm smoking tonight. It's called Soap and Gypsy Kush. And this shit is, uh, just ooey. Yeah, I'm feeling nice. No neck pain, no stomach pain. Just sitting up here. I'm just, you know, I'm dumbfounded about why my people. Don't act out on some of this shit. You see this blatant anti-black racism. And then we got a one uh, white motherfucker in, in, in Harlem subway. Beat a 62-year-old woman with her own cane. And them tethers up there because there's not a lot of FBAs in New York these days. It's mostly Caribbean tethers and Africoons and shit like that. They are recording. Now, one black person stepped in to intervene to help that elderly sister. I was talking last more. It's like, yeah, you and I, we couldn't just stand up on a platform and watch some shit like that go down. Shit, I got a cane my goddamn self. I would have used my cane over his head, and I guarantee he would have stopped. Yeah, going to beat her all over her head, back, legs. With her own cane. That couldn't have been my auntie. I'm coming after your ass. And we got the motherfucker's name. Just don't have an address. But you know with the name. You can find a motherfucker's address. And there's a couple of articles. And they show this picture. A lot of you niggas need to learn. How to take somebody's picture. And run it through some of this. Facial recognition programs and shit. Online. Not gonna name any of the ones I use because I don't want them shut down. They can pick out exactly who that is and where they stay. If you go to the right website, I only disclose that to people in my inner circle. Fuck the rest of y'all. I was listening to the news told her they were talking about this little white boy trying to drown the black boy. And you had this soldier on there that he about that smoke. And he's the type of brother that I would trust watching my back with the Kalashnikov when that time comes. We need more of him and more thinkers like me. Because before I do something, I got to think about it. 
weigh out the pros and the cons because you know if you do it wrong you will have to deal with the consequences I always think about the consequences that's why I was willing to beat my uncle's ass and shit for him disrespecting me for all them years <coughs> so I had to sit down for three years in the pen I don't give a fuck. The motherfucker do it again. I'll beat his ass again. I'll sit down again. I don't give a fuck. I think he, I think, I don't know, because he's a faggot and he likes to suck dick. I think he's found out it's probably best to leave me alone because the next time he comes at me and shit, I'm going to incapacitate him like he taught me how to do. Sit his little short ass in the corner, and he's going to watch me torture and mutilate his wife and the daughter that stays there. His oldest daughter, the one that he sexually abused, her oldest uh, daughter, his oldest grandchild, she don't have nothing to do with him, rightfully so. But because her stepbrother told me so many hateful things that that girl said about me wishing me dead and everything, despite that she did donate some money to my wife's burial and everything. I thank her for that, but I can't kick it with her. I can't trust her. You know? Ain't no telling what that motherfucker put into that child's head about me. He already told both of them that I posted them up on the internet knowing it was his bitch ass. But because I'm too dark, dumb, nobody believes me. Everything that I'm saying is a lie. It's to the point, shit, these high yellow motherfuckers in my family and shit, they stay away from me like the plague. And I, I think that's best. I mean, all my life you showed me your asses and you've never included me in nothing positive. So fuck all y'all. Fuck you Browns. Fuck you Scots. Fuck you Parhams. Fuck you, Meelins. Who else? I leave anybody else out? Well, if I did, fuck you too. Fuck you and your mama, motherfucker. Fuck you, Stanfields. Yeah, that vag dad motherfucking sperm donor and shit. I got a little, little, little something to say about him and shit, but I, I'm going to say that on a Sans disc. I'm going to send it to his ass, and it's the last time I'm going to... Mention that motherfucker, because uh, I think he got a white bitch like his dumb brother, little Larry. I had to go on Larry's Facebook just to see what the fuck he's all happy about. This motherfucker got him a assless carrot nose cave bitch. One titty's bigger than the other one. I think the vag dad sperm donor, he got him a cave bitch and shit. Because that's why he was all gung-ho that he got finally got him a daughter. Got him a little half-breed, huh? Looking like that little bitch and shit from the boondocks, I bet. Fuck her and fuck you too, Wilbur. Clown-ass motherfucker. I'm glad I cussed your mama out. Fuck that bitch. May she rot in pure piss, nigga. 
It's 10 o'clock p.m. I think I'm going to go ahead and end this stream and shit. Go ahead and upload this. Oh, and to the people over on my blog. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry that uh, WordPress and shit took away the option where I could, you know, finish up. I mean, uh, record here on Anchor. And then I could go, and they had like a, uh, they had like a little tag on the button where I could hit WordPress and, and post the same thing to there, but they took that off. So, you know, enable to post the shit, I gotta go through so many fiery hoops and shit, and it, it just wasn't, you know, it, it was, it was a slow process, so I stopped doing it, but. Now that I got that that message from someone asking if I was going to be adding any more content on there, yeah, I will. But it won't be every day like it was, unless they put that button back, make things a little more easier for me to post it on there. But in the meantime, in between time, black family. Watch over our elderly and our babies. Keep your head on that swivel. Be safe out there.